Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Wednesday, November 10th. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris, and Britt Jolie. Britt on the scene at the GM meetings, and that's in Carlsbad, right? Carlsbad, California this year. Not San Diego, near San Diego, so a beautiful location. Um, a lot to talk about. We've got a signing. Andrew Heaney has a new team. We have a workout. Justin Verlander threw in front of lots of people, so we'll talk about that. It sounds like the A's are going to go through a teardown, possibly the Reds as well in some fashion. And of course, the Mets are still Metsing. They are in the news. We'll save them for later because I really never set out to host a Mets podcast, you guys. I don't want that to be the show. I don't want us to be a Mets show. So it's at the back. I don't know how important it actually is until they make a real decision. We'll get to that a bit later on. But Britt, I wanted to ask you first. What actually happens at the GM meetings, and how are they different than the winter meetings that people are a lot more familiar with? Those, of course, happen you know, in early December and are heavily covered on MLB Network uh, you know, throughout the entire event. Yeah, what is nice about these guys is they're a lot less structured, a lot more chill. Um, basically, as a reporter, you're just meeting as many GMs, as many front office members as possible. They're staying in this hotel in Carlsbad. So the place is crawling with baseball people who um, they all kind of look the same now. There's definitely a front office look. Have you guys noticed? Like it's like the like kind of like Lululemon-esque, like nice polo <laughs> with the slacks and the half dress shoes, half sneakers. Um, and then they're all walking around with backpacks with hand sanitizer clipped to the outside. So they literally all look the same. Uh, and wow. your job is to figure out who is part of what front office. It's, a, it's an incredible game. Uh <laughs> I, I was looking at the media availabilities too. It's uh, not like it's not like uh, the winter meetings where they're like at three o'clock you'll get you know Bob Melvin over here, right? It there's they just they're just standing there, and then the media get them. Yeah, for it was an hour yesterday. It was um, AL. T- today will be NL. We get an hour. Oh, so there is some structure outside here. There is some structure. They they That's do the only structured part of it. Yeah, yes. Um, okay. But the nice part there is it was people were kind of waiting in line. So you got one-on-ones with GMs. Mm. It wasn't like everybody ask all your questions for Jerry DePoto, right? Like people were kind of like lined up so you could get guys one-on-one get to meet uh, GMs. And so that is helpful, right? We are not just this faceless part of a 20 person scrum. That's funny. I saw a picture of, of Cashman talking and I thought it looked more like a scrum. He had a scrum uh, oh, just because okay. it's the Yankees. He had a scrum. But, oh, he, uh, but most of the other GMs, it kind of worked its way into like lines. Um, I think with, GM, with Cashman, he probably would have been there for three hours if he had to do one-on-ones with those people. Um, <laughs> but DePoto had a pretty big line, and he kind of talked a lot about Seattle and you know the the rise that they've had. And my favorite, favorite Jerry DePoto line from when I was speaking of yesterday was I was asking him about transactions because 
as you guys know, we may have a lockout, in which case there'll be a freeze on transactions, and then we could see a flurry. So we could kind of see an offseason similar to like the NBA or the NFL where everyone signs at once. Mm. And I asked him, like, would be like that in baseball? And he was like, no, I work early. You know, I, I get my stuff done in November. I don't want anyone else to, I don't want everyone else to all be in and aggressive like I am. And then he goes, you know, I love transactions. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. I mean, it, it's good. It's good that he knows and he, he knows. he's laughing along with us on that one. Well, they're among the teams that seem to have uh, flexibility. <laughs> you either have flexibility or you want or you flexibility. Want flexibility. <laughs> which it's so funny because when you when you use flexibility instead of money and you can take away the it actual payroll ridiculous. numbers, uh, it sounds ridiculous, but it, it, it shifts the burden away from how much a team is actually spending. It just gives you a sense of direction and makes everything more vague. But Seattle and Texas, I think, were two teams that, that sort of caught my eye at seeing the occasional tweet coming through where it seems like they're putting on all the indicator lights that they are going to spend quite a bit this offseason. The Mariners' payroll is about $40 million below where it was last year. And then, you know, there were crazy numbers being bandied around for the Rangers, like $100 million. But they are at $50 million, and that's, you know, that's a ridiculously small number for, for a team that just got a new ballpark and, you know, has spent more in the past. So... I could see the Rangers spending 50 or 60 million and the Mariners spending 30 or 40 million at least. Yeah, I love transactions. Jerry DePoto, I feel like we should <laughs> yeah, put on t-shirts. <laughs> Might already be on a t- few t-shirts. The uh the first transaction, first notable transaction I think that we saw at least in terms of free agent signing Andrew Heaney quickly signing with the Dodgers and I think he was uh, among the players we thought could sign quickly because Players who are coming off of a a bad season, they benefit more from finding the ideal fit right away before opportunities start to disappear. Give me my victory lap. The floor is yours, sir. I said Andrew Haney will be the first one to sign and he'll sign this week. I almost literally said that. (laughs) (laughs) Like hours later, he signed. Yeah, no, I, I, it's a it's a get, get get your sleeper time because the top end talent will want to set the market. So the very top will want to uh, get four teams involved, get that mystery team involved, get the get the juices flowing, you know, get get that number as high as possible. The second tier guys that are going to get multi year deals want those guys to sign first because they say, well, you know. Harper signed for this much, you know, I'm not, I'm not Harper, but you know, I'm going to get 80% of that or 70, 75% of that. So they want the market to be set, but the guys who are going to get one year deals. Uh, they just want to get a deal in a place that they might play. So you could see, I think somebody like Tommy Pham. Um, I don't know if Jock Peterson is going to get a multi-year deal, but you know, these kind of corner outfield types that often sign for one and 10, one and eight, uh, you could see those guys sign before before December st- happens because they're like, no, I just want to go somewhere where I'm going to play. Uh, so that's the Andrew Haney deal. I think he saw that they probably have about three starting pitchers right now, so they can sign two more starting pitchers, and he's still you know still in the lot in the in the, in the uh, rotation probably to start the year at least. I think they they saw that like if we pay eight million dollars, we can pay for 2018 to 2020 uh, Andrew Haney, who was worth about eight million a year even with the homers. And then they see the high spin rate. They see uh, certain facets of his of his pitches that they think they can maybe change, and maybe there's upside beyond that. So, 
Um, I think it's one of those uh, no duh kind of, you know, we saw this one coming a mile away kind of deal. I mean, the only thing that we've been saying is maybe Haney to like the Giants, you know, because the Giants just signed like three one year guys that all pop for them. Still a few more of those uh, to go around, of course. Yeah, uh, Farhan got executive of the year here, which is no, I guess, no great shock, right? Because it's regular season only. Um, I do wonder, though, with the Dodgers, does this prohibit them from signing Clayton Kershaw again or a Max Scherzer? I don't know if it actually prevents them from doing it, but maybe it's a sign that they don't intend to. I think. Yeah, they didn't give the, 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 the qualifying offer to Kershaw, so there's something going on there. And now there's rumors of him retiring. Whoa, I hadn't heard anything like that yet. That's yeah. interesting. Well, because the general manager, yeah. uh, I think it was Friedman, said if he wants to come back. Hmm. And everyone was like, does he mean to the Dodgers or to baseball? <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps a, a poor choice of words. Yeah, well, we don't like, I, I mean, I, I just assumed that uh, we won't see Kershaw next year. Like as a, because I'm doing fantasy drafts and such. And like, I, I just reading between the lines, I'm like, I think there's a surgery coming here. Yeah, it might be a lot like the Verlander situation where it's a, a lost season. And I think at the time that we spoke on Monday, you know, we didn't know. Uh, what the results of Justin Verlander's workout were. So, Britt, what was going on with Verlander earlier this week? Your How many victory teams were on time. hand? That was yeah, your piece like this, of news. <laughs> that, that, that was yours. So, what 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 transpired with him? You guys, that was such an. I'll tell you off air about how I ended up getting that story because it was so odd and so random. Um, but so Verlander, who we know got the qualifying offer from the Astros chose to have like a private tryout where he invited some teams. And then of course, like more showed up um, down to Eric Cressy's place in West Palm beach. Now Verlander's not like in mid season form here yet. He's going to have a couple of these tryouts. Uh, but I think what he wanted to do was gauge interest. Let these teams know that um, he seems to be kind of hell bent on not taking that qualifying offer, um, getting like a two, you know, even if he gets like a two for 25, right. Um, I think he's looking for the years and not necessarily another one-year gamble with that QO. And there's a lot of interested teams. I mean, the Tigers keep getting linked to him. I don't really see that as being a Tigers thing. Certainly, he's got familiarity with A.J. Hinch. Um, the Yankees, obviously, were there. Eric Cressy uh, works for the Yankees, so there's a lot of ties there. And then the Rangers, who we talked about, have all this money to spend. Um, and, like, no, they're not probably going to compete next year. But I think they think, let's get somebody in here for a year or two, like Verlander, who can like help anchor the staff and help give us a veteran presence. And, you know, there was 18 to 20 teams down there in Florida. He's going to do it again, like I said. And James Click said yesterday, he looked like Justin Verlander again. So I think the Astros have a little interest in retaining him, certainly, because they gave him the QO. But even during the playoffs this year, I heard from Houston people that they were kind of expecting him to turn it down. And it seems like that's pretty much the way he's leaning. Yeah, I think as someone who's won a World Series, has accomplished all the, the on-field things that you would want to accomplish over the course of a career. It's kind of choose your own adventure with regard to which contender you want to go to. I I expect him to go to a big market team. I, I don't I don't I don't know why I just assume that. I mean, he could go anywhere he wants, but um, the Yankees make a lot of sense. The, the Dodgers actually wouldn't be totally ridiculous. I think that would be the thing that would keep them from bringing Scherzer back, right? If you went for Verlander instead, you wouldn't bring Scherzer back. In that scenario, maybe the Giants would actually be a fit, right? Because if, if you look at their current core and you say, well, how do you make this team better without making a, a massive 
long-term commitment in free agency. If you don't really think that any of the guys that are going to get eight-plus years are good fits, maybe Verlander's one way to possibly do that if you're the Giants. I, I just... In my mind, I keep putting him on all the the biggest market teams. You know, I I was just I just did a little quick Google search to find out how old his daughter is, uh, and she's two. And that uh, actually says to me, as a parent, like this is a decent time to go to New York. <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily maybe want to have like a six and a ten year old and and pull them out of their you know wherever they are and and stick them in New York and be like, hey hey kids, we're moving to New York, you know. But a two-year-old is like, yeah, sure, daddy, let's go. And uh, Kate Upton herself may may like, you know, living in the in New York with him, you know, and may like the may like that uh, as a family choice. So uh, maybe it is a play to to get the Yankees involved. And the Yankees seem to be talking like they're going to spend again. Um, they're talking about, uh, you know, Cashman admitted he's having a conversation with two high-profile shortstops, uh, free agent shortstops. So. Um, and he said something about having more flexibility. Maybe they wanted to stay below the, uh, the, the tax line for one year or two year, reset the whole thing. Um, and, uh, and now they're going to go blow past it like the Dodgers have been. Um, in which case you could see them double tapping and getting, um, you know, Seager and Verlander would be a, would be a pretty big upgrade for them in two places, um, that they, they could really use. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I tried to speculate on this uh, earlier in the week, Britt. I'm curious what you think as someone who has covered Max Scherzer, but does it seem like Verlander is closer to that Max Scherzer going to prove you wrong, hyper-competitive level that you know only a, a very small sliver of even elite athletes get to? Is he cut from a similar cloth? They both scare me when I'm regard? talking to them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it fair to put them in the same group, Britt? They're similar. Um Pitching wise, and like, yeah, they 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 both have that like bulldog. I want to be the guy on the staff, right? And so, mm-hmm. it was interesting in Detroit when they were together and David Price, um, kind of as three Cy Young winners. I think there were some like um, issues at times because you had so many alpha males. So they are very very similar uh, pitchers. Personality wise, they're a little different, like especially on days that they don't pitch. Scherzer's a little more friendly, gregarious. Um, a little more goofy. Verlander is very keep to himself kind of guy, but both of them want to pitch until their arm falls off. Mm-hmm. So, and both of them are a little bit of a throwback to a yesteryear pitcher because if you watch Verlander when he was good, lots of times his last inning, guys, his velocity was the best. And Scherzer, you hear him grunting that last like 15 to 20 pitches. So he's a guy who saves some in the tank too. And so I do think that they kind of have that same mentality. I kind of feel as if 
you get to that level and these guys are competing with each other now, like if Verlander signs a two year deal, I'm sure Scherzer's going to be like, well, I want to do better than that. I don't care if it's a dollar more. Uh, I do think there's that kind of uh, competitiveness between two guys like that. But Scherzer's the top pitcher on the market, right? Yeah, I mean, well, it depends. Like, I was mm. talking to Perry Maniason about this yesterday, and as you guys know, the Angels need anyone not nailed down in pitching. Um, and he was kind of saying, like, okay, but you look at the end of Max Scherzer's season, and are you going to bet on that? Because he didn't do that well, right? So what about some people saying like Stroman. Uh, what about Kevin best. Gossman? Yeah, Gossman. Stroman. Uh, because because Stroman makes, like, he, he continues to reinvent himself and evolve. He's not afraid to, like, try mm. different things and – um, he's been a guy who's been fairly durable. Um, so there really isn't like a consensus number one. There's no Garrett Cole out there, right? Just depends on what you need and what you're looking for, really. What's and a lot value, of these I guys yeah. with the uncertainty rope. Yes. A lot of these guys also uh, with the CBA uncertainty and, and kind of Perry kind of pointed this out, may take one year deals because they're not sure what the ramifications are going to be, right? So they may take a year somewhere like what Marcus Simeon did where he bet on himself, went somewhere where he knew they would make him better, really like the training staff in Toronto. And now he's going to cash in. So you might see that from some of these pitchers, which I thought was a really interesting concept. Strom is going to go for the years because he's, he said something like the fight to get to free agency was so long. You know, he took the QO last year. Yeah. I think Stroman is going to want years, but it is interesting. They're very different because Stroman is like, I have six pitches, you know, but I'm a sinker guy, which is not like what, you know, we we were really looking for it as a baseball teams the last couple of years. Gossman is like, I've got the high riding four seam, but I don't really, I don't have breaking balls, and I really only have two pitches that are good. Um, you know, so you know, each I mean, Scherzer is the most complete, but then you have to see, you know, he, you know, how he broke down a little bit, how the injuries have been starting to creep in the back. Um, I mean, it is not an obvious answer. I, I still think, to me, I still think Scherzer is the best uh, option on, on the market. Uh, but I do wonder if he wants like four, five, six years, then uh, I think most people would be want to like pay him for like three years or something. So you're seeing this more like you're saying Scherzer in terms of like 2022 war is the best pitcher. That's on the sort board. of what I'm saying. Yes. But like yeah. it, it, it kind of all depends on the years and the money. I mean that's 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 the ticket with everything. I, I see all these like rankings of players, and I'm like, it's so hard to rank free agents because you don't know what they're gonna get. So like, do you want Correa at 340 million and uh, Seager? But what if Seager gets you know 240? Then <laughs> I think I'd rather have Seager. You know what I mean? So it's like. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of I, I might do a piece where I take the fan graphs, uh, you know, the fans have like they they project basically deals and then pick out of those the the the, the deals I like best. Yeah, it's just a, sort of an interesting concept, in my opinion, that the CBA may directly impact that these too, guys, yeah. not even the future, but what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, that was an interesting point I hadn't thought of. Yeah, I think that, that, that rolls into the whole, like, the guys who are going to get one-year $8 million deals, we might see a bunch of them sign in the next two weeks. So here's the here's the question for, for both of you. I, I think we have to compare apples to apples in terms of free agents that are similar in age and similar in terms of contract duration expectations. So Scherzer shouldn't be part of this conversation, but Robbie Ray versus Marcus Stroman versus Kevin Gossman. I think that's sort of the, like those three you could probably put in the same group. I think within reason, they're going to get a similar number of years and similar amounts of money. 
And if you're interested in one, you're probably interested in the others. I think the the fear with Robbie Ray is probably his pre-2021 walk rates. But yes, Gosman, it's the homer rates. Yeah, Gossman, it's the homer rates. And with Stroman, I guess it's just there's more contact, lack but it's a yeah. ground ball profile, right? It's a lack of strikeouts. So I, I feel like the Stroman profile age is the best. If you say they're all going to get four years or more, who do you trust the most over the longest deal? It's probably Stroman just because of the way he attacks hitters and having multiple you know, deeper arsenal. I think that keeps him as a valuable starter longer than Ray and Gossman will be if something goes wrong for them. Yeah, because Ray and Gossman are also kind of two-pitch pitchers. Right. So my my lean my lean would be Stroman if if I'm shopping from that group. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The big concern with Robbie Ray is, is he going to all of a sudden turn into a pumpkin and become old Robbie Ray? Mm. Um, but maybe not. Guys change. Guys evolve. Um, and certainly, you look at Simeon. Certainly, a lot of guys raved about Toronto and the staff. And I think as we look at teams who are successful, like the Giants, um, what they did this past year, there's going to be more emphasis on, especially in shorter deals, what the club's infrastructure is. Like, can these people make me better? Right? I, it's like the next wave of... You know, clubs are holding on to their prospects now, right? So the whole tanking method is getting old and it's not as sustainable as it was because you can't stockpile draft picks and then trade a bunch of double A guys and have them all come up together. So the issue becomes like, okay, how do we make our current people better? And you do that by the sports staff and the coaches. And I think that's kind of going to be a thing now. You saw the Giants do like load up on coaches and you saw a lot of teams poach some of the Giants coaches. So to me... Um, and you know, I know this is something that you've kind of delved into a little bit, but that to me seems like the next level, the next layer of this player development thing is who can get these guys just a little bit better, right? That team is going to have a lot of success. And that that's really interesting to me because it mirrors what's happening in analytics. So right now there's, there's more of a supply of, 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 of smart, uh, analytical, you know, analytics people that could be your, your player development analytics or, or your R and D analytics. They're now choosing, if you'll see, uh, there are a lot of job offerings on Fangraphs. There's people, I'm retweeting them all the time. I've, I've been trying to connect people I know uh, who want analytics jobs to these jobs. And uh, they keep uh, telling me, no, I, I won't work for that owner. I won't work for that team. I won't work for that GM. And so now there are, uh, I think this is almost something that you'll see that, that is true for the labor market which is people, I think people's relationship with work has changed over the last two years. And people kind of don't want to work. I think this, and this might be a segue to New York, man, because people just don't want to work in places that suck. You know, they're just like, hey, you know, we all realized how flimsy life was the last couple of years. We were all touched by death in the last couple of years. And where we work became the thing was like, you know, I, I don't want to suffer. You know, I don't want to suffer. And then you hear, uh, you hear uh, Sandy Austin come out there and say, well, New York is not a place to be comfortable, whether it's me or the media or this or that, you know, you're going to be challenged here. And to me, that sounds like a toxic work environment. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't want to work somewhere where like every day someone is challenging me and like, like up in my business and oh, I may have to fire, uh, I may have to wait out the father and fire the son. And, 
you know, uh, you know, and for a year, I just have this guy, you know, sitting over my shoulder. No, I don't. Sorry. Nope. And that's why I think, you know, you can try and parse each one and be like, oh, well, Stearns, uh, Milwaukee said no. And well, Theo, you know, he really just wants to play with his kids or whatever it is. You can you can come up with excuses for each one of them. But there's been 12 names now. And we got down to the guy that isn't hasn't even been in baseball for four years. So I think it looks like yeah. a toxic work environment. People don't want to work there. Right. And that's not that's not going to change overnight. This is this is a longer term sort of problem that the Mets are are stuck in right now. I mean, they they went from the pie in the sky list to the hey, this guy used to work in baseball list. <laughs> is there not a list of thousands of people in between those two points there was a that are, are more, some guy more qualified. That used to play that now owns like car dealerships. <laughs> like, oh, geez. Adam Cromey is the guy, the former NAS GM is the guy you're talking about who's out of baseball. He is a strong candidate. In fact, I heard yesterday and Joel Sherman just reported this morning. I couldn't get second confirmation, um, but I can go with it now. Steve Cohen met with him yesterday. Um, so it seems like it's a serious thing. It seems like um, they're close, even though nothing is done yet. Now, the issue with that is not only has he been out of baseball for four years, but there are still people as bad as this job is who would have taken this job. Um, so if they were just looking for like a three or a four, they could have found somebody to do that. Um, and I think, you know, you had some good points. I was talking to AGM yesterday and we were about to head to the GM availability. And I was like, well, maybe in a few years, this will be you. And he's like, I don't want that to be me. I said, like, what do you mean? He's like, number two is the best job in baseball. Um, and he pointed out that many number twos or, you know, GMs that aren't at that president level, um, AGMs, guys are making seven figures. So they have a, what is the difference between a million and a million and a half? And you're in the is room. Is it a huge lifestyle difference? You're in the room. You and get to make room. decisions. And yes, you get to make decisions, but you don't have to deal with the media. You don't have to deal with the constant speculation about your job. Um, so, and I really haven't thought of it that way. And I think these front offices now value stability and value. Like I like my life. I'm a two, I'm making a ton of money to live in Minnesota or Milwaukee or Cleveland or wherever it is. Why would I want to uproot my family, my wife, my life, um, mm. to make a little bit more money and to deal with all that stuff. And I hadn't really thought about it that way, but the way front offices are prioritized now, they are paying their twos and threes really really well mm, that's which i didn't i didn't realize kevin Did yeah guys? kevin goldstein um, went on twitter the other day he used to work in the uh houston front office and he said uh i realized i never want to be the gm agm is where it's at <laughs> yeah so, because i mean it, for all the reasons brit described like do you want to be constantly under the microscope for what it ends up being you know, it's more money but at a certain point, you have enough. You're comfortable. You have everything you need. You're taken care of. I'm sure there's like a, a special brand of the alpha alphas that are just like, no, I want my name stamped on every move. I want this to be like, you know, Stearns's Milwaukee Brewers. I want this to be, you know, Alderson's Mets, you know. And that, that I think that even that's varies like by long term glory. You know, people probably won't remember the AGMs on these winning teams or at least won't, you know, write fawning stories about them. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, you're, you're exactly. People inside the game will remember like who was in the room for those teams, but most of us will never even think about those people. But you have longer longevity, too, because if you're an AGM, 
you're not going to get fired like if the GM, right? And if the GM moves on, lots of times these AGMs stay they or do. they're well-liked. They latch on as an AGM somewhere else, right? And they don't have that negative connotation of the GMs who failed. So, and this is fascinating. And, you know, I don't know, maybe we can do a piece this winter if we're bored about kind of the evolution of the AGMs and how it's really become like this primo job that many guys see as being like a stable route. And you look at like, let's say like a guy like Sam Fold, for example, like he could have been in the dugout, right? Former player. Um, but you look at front offices and there are a lot more stable jobs than being in a dugout, than being a coach. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting to me how this whole thing has kind of uh, I got evolved the, and changed over a little bit. Let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, by the way, I, was speaking, I got the perfect way to, to write um, about it. I, I, I got a perfect metric I can come up with. It's, it's pretty interesting. Excellent. Excellent. And um, I was actually speaking to someone in Philly yesterday and they said that they were, they were teasing fold because he never got contacted by the Mets. And they were like, God, you must be horrible at your job. <laughs> everybody else. They're giving him such a hard time, which I find amazing. <laughs> oh my. You're not on the list of 12 <laughs> or 15 or whatever uh. it is now. <laughs> Well, of we'll course, see. Is terrific at his job. Let's get that out there on this pod. Yeah. But it's just a funny thing that what it's become with the Mets. Maybe between now and the next time we speak, the Mets will have a new GM. Maybe. Seems like, you know, getting that done would be helpful as they try to go about the rest of, of their, their offseason maneuvers. But hey, what do I know? And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's talk about a possible teardown in Oakland. Possible? Imminent? <laughs> Certain? <laughs> no. Like, what's going on My here? hot take is no, you're, that people are wrong. It's not going to okay. happen. Because Why are they wrong? This is two things. They are always trying to compete and they are always selling. So I think that they will sell a player or two. The other thing is right now their payroll is exactly where it was last year. It just means that they can't buy any, they can't sign anyone. So Which I actually they usually think, don't. Huh? 
they usually don't sign. They don't sign that much anyway. So I think they yeah. only need to make uh you know five ten million dollars room. So I think one of the guys will go, and I think the one guy that'll go uh, will bring back someone who plays his position. So hmm. uh, you know something like, and I know that some Oakland fans are like, we don't want Luke Voigt, but like something like Olson to the Yankees for Voigt and some prospects would actually make sense because you play Voigt for Olson. And you maybe you get an arm back or an arm or two back that you can then plug in uh, to your rotation instead of going to the free agency market. I think it'll be smaller stuff because I, I just don't think that this isn't a team that in the past has sold everyone. Like when was the last mm. time they sold everyone? They really don't do no. that. No, they don't. They don't do the, the Marlins level fire sale. Yeah. The Tobias Funke. They're having a fire sale. I, I think they wouldn't. I think they wouldn't trade Chapman right now. You're trading Chapman at the bottom of his value. Yeah, I think Chapman is is the easy hold. I think Olsen's the kind of player that the market generally doesn't value that highly. But if you could get back Voigt and, I don't know, Luis Heal or or some major right. league ready arm. Even Davey Garcia, I mean, you, you do that. Feel about him. Yeah. Like that's that's to me that's a no yeah. brainer. Olson would be a great fit in Yankee Stadium. I'm sure people are all over that as a, a lefty who improved his K rate and could just rip the ball into the short porch. 40 plus times over the course of the season. But Manaya and Olsen is the most that I'll, I'll say it goes. You think two? Two out of Olsen, Manaya, Chapman, Bassett. Like Manaya goes for like two, two young guys that they hope to plug into the rotation right away that are cheaper because yeah. he's $10 million. And then Olsen goes for Voight and so, something like Voight and some prospects, and they save uh, $5 million that way. So they'll save you know $15 million doing that, and then they'll spend the $15 million on relievers. <laughs> That's what they. That's what they do. <laughs> and if they can hang around, if you think about it, if you keep the two guys who, if you keep one of the two guys between Manaya and Bassett, one of them, they're both be free agents after next season. You get those are qualifying on, offer guys. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going for it and you're successful, you have that option. If you go for it and fail, you can trade, trade them in Bassett July. in the in the middle of the season. Yeah, they do that. They definitely do that. They trade guys in the middle of the season. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Britt? Are, are we are we too optimistic about Oakland not tearing it down? I mean, maybe. I'm with you, know, though. They always seem to want to compete. They're like the Rays. They, they right. are never going to be out there being like, we've got big money to spend. Let's go. Uh, you know, they're going to they're going to kind of acquire low level people by volume and see what hits. They can't get the A free agents, so they're going to get like a few C's and see if one of those guys ends up being a surprise. That's really been and that's, their playbook. That's how they trade too, right? They don't even trade, they don't even try and trade yeah. for the very best prospects. They try to trade for three or four, you know, like Simeon, you know, etc., Simeon Bassett, etc., you know. When it doesn't work yes. out, the Donaldson yeah, trade didn't work it. out. That one did not work out. It was Barreto, what was it? Does anybody remember? Barreto, Graveman, I think was in that yeah, trade. Barreto and Graveman and something. Was Sean Nolan in that trade? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was not uh, was not great. The other question, though, I think, as I look at Oakland, and this is the only reason I think they might go a little more aggressive with making moves for the future than, than they ordinarily would, that's a bad farm system. Like, worse than in past versions of having to retool. And I wonder if that makes them a little bit more aggressive because they need to pile up more more pieces for the future as a result of the lack of, of young talent they currently have in the organization. There's also the, the, the stadium thing is different, so that seems to be yeah. like coming to a head. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Not, not a fun off season to be an A's fan, I would say. Is it ever, though, really? 
losing the team though, like that that would be that's an extra time. cloud. Like <laughs> that's 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 not yeah, that wasn't always looming quite the way that's it is. Worse right than now. trading like that, Donaldson away. <laughs> right. As as much as that sucks, like that that whole possibility, it, it seems increasingly real that they might be on the move to Vegas. But the other team that apparently doesn't have flexibility or needs flexibility or wants flexibility is Cincinnati. And just two winters ago, they were aggressive. They they went out and they got Nick Castellanos right away and they were spending money and it looked like they brought in Derek Johnson from the Brewers to be their pitching coach and they extended Sonny Gray. Everything was kind of like pointing towards Cincinnati being a mid-market or even a small-market team that was going to punch above its weight class and, and be this legitimate contender for a few years in the Central. And now they're they're walking that back. I mean, I don't think Castellanos goes back. And they're apparently trying to trade Luis Castillo. Like he turned things around after a slow start this year. There's plenty of teams that would be interested in him. So Wade Miley, they just gave away. You, innings innings are important. You need innings, like, and they just let they just let Wade Miley go. So, I mean, they've got some young pitching. They've got Hunter Green. They've got Nick Lodolo, so they could rely on one or both of those guys to be part of the rotation. But that just seems like a pretty hard turn from where they were two seasons ago. What do you think about a Reds teardown, Britt? Yeah, I think any teardown is bad for the game. I want all these teams to try. Um, I think you know you look at Cincinnati and it's an example of you know. Maybe they were aggressive, and obviously they were aggressive in the wrong ways, right? They made some mistakes, and they weren't able to translate that into winning seasons. And so now they have to cut budget again and kind of retool. But I wish that wasn't the case, I guess, more so. Um, if we learned anything from Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves, it's that you really are only trying to construct like an 88-win team. You're just trying to punch your ticket, right? You're not, unless you're the Dodgers or the Yankees, you, you're not going to have the payroll, Um or likely the star power to try to get these hundred plus win teams, the giants, obviously this past year as well. But so I think if you're the reds, they're not in this, like they're not in the NL West, right? They're not in this division where you're like, Oh man, they're going to just be buried for a while. Like, why can't they compete? I, I why can't they? I, I really don't understand. You know? Yeah. Help me understand. I, I, I think the Mustak, I think you were right when you said they made some mistakes, like the Mustakas deal, you know, they, they, they somehow, uh, because of their arbitration raises, they're still 10 million above where they were last year. So a lot of the young core that was exciting, you know, the Winker Castillo group, you know, they've just they started to get expensive. And uh, if they want to keep it to 120 million like last year, then they have to cut 10 more million. And they're not going to trade Mustakas. Nobody's going to take Mustakas. Nobody's going to take Suarez. Um, and uh, they don't want to trade. You know, I think he might win Rookie of the Year, India. Um, you know, uh, I think Tyler Molly, he has, you know, two years, two seasons of control left, but he's also only cost 5 million. So it's like Castillo, I guess is the, is the guy that they, that they could trade, but it just seems sad. Uh, why can't they float a $130 million, uh, uh, payroll and try and compete in that division? I mean, it's the, the, the division is there for the taking. Yeah, that, that's the thing that's frustrating is there are two teams trying in the division right now. It, it's clearly the, the Brewers and Cardinals. The Cubs are doing a, a, a retool, probably not a full like Baltimore five-year sort of thing. They're, they're going to do some things and, and try and turn it around faster. But the core should be good in Cincinnati. It, it is strange. The players they've spent on, they hit on Castellanos, they missed on Moustakis. 
they're fine with the Sonny Gray extension, you know, 11-ish million per year for what he's provided. That's fine. At the very least, innings, but it's above average innings in terms of quality. Eugenio Suarez hasn't been the same guy since he suffered that shoulder injury with that pool accident. Maybe he never comes back. So that there's there's a guy they have on the books for a long time that limits what they can do. Shogo Akiyama was a miss. So a few more misses than hits where they've spent. And I, I guess if, if those are the perils of a team in this range making mistakes, I understand why they don't even bother trying on a multi-year deals because all of a sudden you're just going in the direction with a core that is exciting and I think is headed in the right direction. Molly and Winker, Stevenson and India. Also, like that's that's a good what core we know group to, about, to build around. Um, finances uh, for teams, that's what's publicly known. They should be able to float a $130 million con- uh, uh, payroll. Teams on average, this is a quote I've got here. Uh, in 2020, teams on average generated $122 million in TV revenue. The one source. That's one source of revenue, and that's a very steady source I, of yeah, revenue. Yes, so that's average. You have other that's sources. average, so Cincinnati could come in below that, but that's before you count a single person coming through the turnstile. Yes, they get a bunch of money from MLB every year. Yeah. And the MLB advanced media money that yeah. each club gets. Or Which is uh, signage thing. in the park. You know, all the uh, there's all sorts of other <laughs> revenue streams. It's like this is just one thing: TV money, national TV money. So, uh, I uh, we'll see. I mean, it they're the only team that lets us see their finances are the Braves, and uh, they made a fair amount of money last year, which may be unfair because they were good, and yeah, and maybe it's unfair because they're good and their other teams aren't weren't as good it's and blah, blah blah blah. But like, I have to assume that. Given the information we know, most teams made money. I've got one more. Uh, it's, it's, it's a happier question. We just had a couple teardowns. One more topic I want to throw at both of you. I mentioned up top, Texas is among the teams willing to spend. Like, And this Rangers team, for me, has just lacked direction for the last couple of seasons. They've been sort of not really floating at the bottom. I guess they've sunk to the bottom of the AL West. And I, I find it difficult to see like what they're what their true identity is as a franchise. But if they're going to spend aggressively in free agency, who should they spend the money on? Like It's one thing to say we're going to spend more. We're just talking about the Cincinnati team that spent more and made a few mistakes and then had to backtrack. I don't know if, if Texas is necessarily going to follow that model and, and whiff badly, but who would you spend it on? If, if you're Texas and you've got, you're going to increase your payroll maybe by as much as $100 million from last year to this year, who gets that money, Britt? Who stands out to you as someone that makes a big difference for that franchise for the foreseeable future? You get a Carlos Correa, don't you? Don't you get a short? They need you get a shortstop, and you get like you get pitchers too. But Texas needs an identity, right? They need like a face of that franchise, and I think you get a guy like Correa, who's a star, who loves the spotlight, loves the media, loves everything that comes with it, um, and has still got some really good years left. So I think you get a guy like that. He's dynamic. He's fun to watch. Uh, you know, if they miss out on that, do they try for like a Javi Baez? Like maybe um, Javi Baez, in my opinion, probably has just as much upside. He's just not as consistent. His lows are really low. So you're not really sure what you're going to get. You have to be confident that your coaching staff and the people around them can keep Javi Baez kind of producing and maybe do something about that strikeout to walk rate that's really poor. Uh, but I think you get a you get a position player. You throw a lot of money 
at a guy like Correa, you get a few pitchers, and then people feel good about the Rangers and kind of the direction that they're headed in here. That's what I would do. I agree. I think you got to you got to get an offensive talent up the middle. Kiner Falefa, I think, to me, is a, a really good utility guy. Josh, uh, you could put you could start the season with him at third. Josh uh, Young. Young. Carl Young, baby. Yes, Josh <laughs> Young. Uh, Josh Young, uh, uh, I think he's ready. Uh, he could either start the season or come up soon. Uh, I think Solak, there's a little bit more left in that bat. Uh, plus second base is sort of where you find where you put guys. So maybe Kiner Falefa goes there. Um, they've, you know, Nate Lowe, they've, they've bought like a young prospect at first. Uh, they've got outfielders out there and coming up through the system. Um, so I think that shortstop just needs to be addressed. You get that guy. Um, and, and then like, yeah, uh, like a Verlander thing would make sense because they popped. This is the one thing that they have done well in, in over the last few years is, uh, short-term old, uh, starting pitchers. So they've been pretty good at that game with the Kyle Gibsons and the et ceteras. So continue that uh, and uh, get a re- get a replacement at shortstop offensively for the what they lost with Gallo and hope some of these guys come up. In the meantime, one thing I do like that the Rangers are doing that might be more important than any free agent that they're doing is they are maybe the most aggressive team in terms of acquiring talent in the front office. I had I don't think that I've anybody I've talked to has talked to the Rangers, you know. Uh anybody that I respect in the game that doesn't have a job in the game right now has talked to the Rangers. They've hired Darren Wilman who might be the guy to hire for sort of internal systems in terms of like we want to have something uh that looks like Savant inside internally for all of our everybody to to look at, you know. That's huge and that's going to be Darren Wilman's job. Um, you know, they, they're, they're hiring pretty aggressively. Donnie Ecker, I think was the best, uh, hitting coach that they could have hired and they hired him to be their offensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, there's, uh, they, I think they're, they're doing a lot of work behind the scenes. They're, they're, they're looking aggressively to change the play player development situation, uh, just change the, the relationship of analytics to what's happening on the field. Um, and, uh, I think they're doing a lot of good, good in that way. Okay, so Correa is the ideal big fish if you're Texas, but are you you have if someone else comes over the top and just outspends you, or if he prefers a similar offer from the Yankees or wherever he wants to go, like if he doesn't choose the Rangers, are you happy to throw similar money at Corey Seager? Is it just for you guys, is it someone up the middle, regardless of how far down the list you have to go, even if you end up going down to the Marcus Simeon level, which is not at all a dig at Simeon, it's just kind of the comparatively speaking it's the it's a smaller much smaller deal in terms of of length and overall value than what you're going to have to pony up to get to the Correa and to the Seager level that's number one priority and then you look at the pitching (laughs) the current guys on the depth chart right now Dane Dunning Spencer Howard AJ Alexi Taylor Hearn they have a couple really good prospects coming through Cole Wynn's not far away they obviously got Jack Leiter in the draft one Really nice starting pitcher does make a lot of sense. Be that Verlander or or someone else. They also then need to buy yeah. like Alex Cobb, right? And <laughs> maybe even throw yeah. Chris Archer in the mix. <laughs> it's like an A, a bargain, and then a middle infielder, and then probably like a yes. Michael Conforto or someone like one other bat that you can play. Because you look at the the outfield right now. I mean, DJ they Peters, a lot of help. <laughs> Adelis Garcia, Leody Tavares. Like I think Tavares is your everyday center fielder 
for defensive purposes alone. He took a step forward at AAA. He didn't have an amazing year, but it was a solid year overall, age to level. So I think you need corner outfield help in addition to the up the middle infield help. You could almost sign anyone yeah. because of your team and just move who Dude, you we have just currently spent around. A lot of money. So it's probably like thirty for Seager for Seager or uh, at least twenty five a year. We'll say thirty for a shortstop. Thirty for a shortstop. Yep. I I think Conforto is like sort of fifteen to twenty. I'm gonna say eighteen just to kind of hedge right. the higher end. Okay. All right. If you're gonna get Verlander ish, then I think you're gonna have to go two for thirty. I'll say I think so too. Twenty million there because I, I I think it's gonna be a lot. Twenty million a year. Yeah. Derek? Two qualifying you offers. You spend $20 million a year on a guy who hasn't... Wow. If, I mean, if, wow. if you like what you see, you like the medicals. Or 15, think, but like we're, we're fudging yeah. the numbers anyway. So it's 15 or 20, whatever it is. But it's it, it, the, a top-end free agent that's not... Yeah. Um, I mean, even you could maybe even get uh, uh, Stroman for $20 million a year. It just have to be like 5 in 100. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, so twenty million uh, for that. I, I would say eight, uh, eight, seven, eight for mm-hmm. like an Alex Cobb type. Yep, I think that's a fair mm-hmm. number. There's there's a bunch of one and eight guys out there, just like Haney. Uh, I like Cobb. Cobb is my my favorite uh, post Haney uh, uh, and Rich Hill. They could maybe get Rich Hill too for like four million. All right, so you want to throw Rich Hill into the mix too? We're at eighty million for five players. Woo-hoo. There you go. And then you, you wait, you get, you get a little extra payroll. Maybe you make some moves at the deadline to help you for the future too. I don't know. I think that's a great off season. That's spending a hundred million, man. That's 80 million. Yeah. I mean, they could maybe do something like that, I guess. It doesn't go as far as it used to, I guess. <laughs> How good would they be if they added all that? I mean, we're- let's throw the war calculations in. So we're assuming about a five win player at $30 million a year for that top end free agent. Yeah. You're hoping yeah. for maybe a three-war season from your Conforto. Like you, that's that's if things go well. You're hoping for four-ish war from your twenty million dollar pitcher. I mean, you're ho- you can yeah. hope for more if you want, and you're hoping to get probably two, two war out of your eight million dollar pitcher. And if you bring in Rich Hill, and eh, maybe you get another one there, so you got a five, a three, a four is twelve. You get about fifteen, about fifteen wins above replacement. All right, that takes them from second worst. If you act, if they got, if they bought fifteen wins in free agency, that takes them from second worst right now on the depth charts, all the way up to the Rays. Whoa, we are really good at spending other people's money. I'm One, phenomenal two, three, at that. four, five, six, We're seven, eight, We're really good nine. at it. That that would put them like eleventh in the big leagues. And we'd probably talk about the Rangers more than once a year on our show if that's uh, <laughs> if that happened. So. I'm excited. I hope that's uh, something that they actually do because I, I want teams to spend. I want players to get paid. I want more teams to be in the market than sitting back and saving for some future year that you know we may or may not make it to <laughs> as a league. Uh, if you do not have a subscription to the Athletic, you could sign up for a year. I think we'll make it the through a year. The asteroid may get us. May get us. You're right. <laughs> in the event of the asteroid, I don't know if we can offer refunds, so I'm not going to say that we will. But 33% off a subscription for your first year at theathletic.com <laughs> slash rates and barrels. The, the, the lawyer's got in my head just now. I'm like, actually, I can't promise that we can refund in the event of, a, of an asteroid. On Twitter. She's at Brit underscore Giroli. He is at Unoceris. I am at Derek Van Riper. Follow the pod at Rates and Barrels. That account might tweet something someday. Barrel up on the like button if you're watching us on YouTube. But that's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. 
Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. We are back with you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Thank you.